right, thanks, Dorita. You're great. And Chris. Good morning. I am Heidi Pagels, and I'm married to Jamie, and he's letting me preach this morning because he is a kind man, and he likes breaks. <laughs> well, just to be honest, both. He's a kind man, and he likes breaks. So, um, all right, so this morning we have been going through the creed, and um, I think we're on week six, and I get to speak today. Um, we're going to start today by reading the creed together. And um, if you, yeah, so this is something in Foursquare that you hear a lot if you go to conferences. And I wanted to start there because I was thinking, this is the creed. Uh, oh, this is funny. This is so funny. So we quote this in Foursquare at conferences a lot. Like pretty much any time we get together, this comes up. And we quote it by Amy Simple McPherson. I looked up online. Mm, yeah, it's not by her. It's not Foursquare, but we have taken it as our own, and we're like, I think pretty much mostly Foursquare pastors think that our found, this is our founder. This is the founder of Foursquare, which is a woman, which is unusual. And uh, we, we quote this, uh, Amy Simple McPherson. I'm like, oh, whoa. So, but anyway, so Foursquare, we stole it as our own. Uh, in essentials, it cracked me up. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. And this is how we try to operate as four, four square. So the creed is the essentials. It's the essentials. This is what we all believe. This is who we are. The non-essentials is like me speaking. A lot of churches aren't okay with women preaching, and we are. So that's a non-essential. But even if you disagree with us, we will be charitable towards you. <laughs> even if you're wrong. No, just kidding. Just kidding. That's not what I meant. That's sort of what I meant. So um, so we're going to say this today. If you haven't seen the Korean today, there is one part that, like, trips people up. And they're like, I don't, I don't think I can say that. I actually don't believe that. And it's the Catholic Church. It says, I believe in the one Catholic Church. And people are like, uh, no, no, I don't think Catholics are the only. What it means is universal. It doesn't mean the Catholic Church, sacred heart up on the hill. It means the universal. I believe in the Baptist. I believe in the Presbyterian. I believe in the Lutheran. I believe in the Assemblies of God. I believe in, well, actually we believe in people who believe in Jesus is what it's saying. So when we're all one church, home church, that's what we're saying. So don't let that trip you up. So if you would stand with me today to engage yourself, to wake yourself up, to sharpen your brain, to be alive, I'd like us to say it today with thoughtfulness. Engage your brain and your heart. And let's say it today like we mean it. All right, here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again. Oh, sorry. Dutch. <laughs> My bad. I can read. The living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, 
and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You read it like you meant it. Thanks. I appreciate that. So why why this series? Um, so there's been like studies done, and it's been said that the church does not know the essentials, like the basics of what we believe. Uh, they're like, do you believe this? And they're like, I don't know. Do you believe this? I'm not sure. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Maybe. So we're doing this so that you can know this is what we believe. This is this is what the church believes, and we um and also so you know why you're different than maybe the Mormon Church. I mean, there's a lot of Mormons in this town, and it looks really similar, or the Jehovah Witnesses. And so if we don't know what we believe, we can't know how we're different. Um, because the differences are actually very subtle. so Or maybe they're huge, but we don't see them. The differences we see are very subtle. So we are trying to our very best to share. This is what we believe. So that's why we're doing it. Um, I'm going to start with reviewing. If you could bring it up, I think the next one is what I'm hoping to see. Um, so, yes. All right, Taylor did this message for us. We, I'm going to go over this back two weeks, not all six. Okay. So I believe in Jesus Christ, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. So the fact, this is the fact. This is what we believe. And Taylor reminded us what this means for us today is we believe in miracles. And he reminded us to be looking for miracles, that we believe in miracles. The next one Jamie did last week, and Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. It was really interesting because it kind of threw me off when he spoke last week because I think usually that's an Easter service. Like, we do that once a year. And so it actually caught my attention a little more um, dramatically because I was like, whoa, this is normally an Easter service. So I think I actually listened, and it cut me to the heart. And it reminds us, this reminded me um, that my God will do anything for us, for me. Our God would do anything. He would put up with anything. He would go anywhere for us. And that was the reminder, I think, from last week. Um, the next one is mine for today. I, I got something a little lighter than Jamie. Woohoo! thank you. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. These are the facts. This is the facts of what we believe. And so today we're going to take the facts, and I'm going to say for you, this is what this means today for me, for us. So let's see. We're going to start with the first one. On the third day, if you go to the next slide, on the third day, oh, he rose again. Perfect. That's fine. I've actually never worked with slides before, so please be gracious with me. I'm trying to be a little more engaging. So, all right. So um, the fact is, throws me off that Jesus rose from the dead. And I was noticed that this is another miracle. This isn't something that happens every day. So immediately we're confronted with another miracle. It is easy to find the facts of the creed in the New Testament. It's called the Apostles' Creed, not because the apostles wrote it, but because it's found in all the apostles' writing. You could pick a passage from Matthew. You could pick a passage from Mark, Luke, and often in Acts. So basically you get to pick which one do I think best suits. So today I picked Luke 24, 1 through 8, and I'm going to read it with you. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, 
they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And then they remembered his words. So I see that Jesus raising from the dead is, um, if you go to the next one, is what separates him from the others. Um, I started with why. Why is it important that Jesus rose from the dead? Why is it important? Why does it matter that he didn't just stay? Like, does it matter? Would it change how I view Jesus if he'd stayed in the grave? And then the next question I asked myself is, would it have changed anything? So does it matter? If he, Jesus had stayed in the grave and not risen, does it matter? And does it change anything for me? Go to the next one. So I was reading this week, I was reading in Heim Potok. Has anybody read any of Heim Potok? The Chosen, The Promise, they're really great books. I highly, highly recommend them. And as I was reading it, I came across this guy. And the Jews were looking for a Messiah. And I, I'll try to say his name is down here, Shabbat de Zui. And it's just, the year was taken in 1665. And what did I say wrong? Oh, you're just laughing. Oh. Okay. Anyway, so it's a, it's whatever. So that's what it's a picture of him. And um, so at this time, this is in, the Jews were desperate for a Messiah. A hundred thousand Jews had died in Eastern Europe, and they were praying and fasting for the Messiah. They believed that the Messiah would come in the year 1666. That was the year, and over half of the Jewish population at that time believed that he was going to be the Messiah. Um, the thing is about it that makes him different is in the end, he converted to Islam. Like, in the end, Jesus rose from the dead. In the end, this person who everyone was looking to converted to Islam. And um, I think that's a huge way that separates Jesus from all these other people that claim to be the Messiah is his resurrection. Um, I remember in Bible college, actually, because you have to study these things and look at the passages and what do I believe and what do I think. And, and I remember thinking, well, I would still believe in him even if he didn't rise from the dead. Like, it doesn't really matter to me. I, this is who I believe. But I actually think now that I am think about it again is that it does change everything, the fact that he rose and he's not still in the grave. The next thing I was reminded of is something that I've read recently is um, – I read just in this last National Geographic. If, I don't know if you guys read National Geographic. Love it. August 2017. And this is a mess. It says messianic complex. And these are people from all over the world. So the guy on the left is from Brazil. And these are his followers today who believe he is the Messiah. Um, the article was actually super respectful. I was kind of curious what the tone would be and said the people are not crazy like, that he didn't feel that the people were crazy. He didn't feel like they were out of their brains or, like, like you know, crazy. But he felt they actually believed they were the Messiah today. This guy down here is from South Africa. He has, like, 12 followers. And um, this is at his wedding. It's super funny. He's preaching. He said he preached for hours. Everyone was asleep. <laughs> it cracked me up. So I'm, like, preaching at your wedding and everyone's asleep. I don't know. 
So the guy down here, he's from Tokyo. And he goes around today with a loudspeaker. He's a politician. And he preaches that I am the king. They say that I am the king. I am the Lord of Lords. They call themselves Jesus. They call themselves the Messiah. And then this guy up here is Russian. And he has like 5,000 followers today who believe that he is the Messiah. There was one more, but we ran out of room for pictures. So there's five people still today like claiming to be the Messiah. And um, the weird thing about it is like, well, I guess we won't really know, right? For a little bit longer. I'm like one of them, I guess, could possibly be. I don't know. Seems unlikely, but it's possible. So I don't know, but read the article. It's really interesting. I wanted to point it out to you that the world has been looking all along like ever since Jesus, and they're still looking. They still don't um, They still don't look to Jesus as that he came or that he rose again. So this is what makes us different. The next one is, next slide is, this is the facts that, oh, shoot, that's not the next one. I told you these slide things. So the fact that Jesus spent three days in hell and came back to life means for us, what this means for us is that all the power of this world, all the darkness, all the evil forces, in this world, are not as powerful as our God. And another thing it means is that this world is not the end, that there is something more. Um, I was thinking, have you noticed that a lot of our worship songs now are about being brave? You make me brave. You call me to walk out on the waters. You call me to live differently. I've noticed, like, this theme of bravery, and I thought it's kind of odd because um, at first blush, it looks like we're fine. Like, we have houses clothes, we have things, but I think that this world is really kind of a fearful place. Like, there are so many, there's natural disasters, there is cancer, there is racism, there are big missiles, there are shootings, there was a shooting in Pullman at 3 a.m. today, someone showed me, um, this, there's depression, so many people are suffering from depression, and fear is powerful, but as Christians, if and when we believe that Jesus can overcome the darkest thing you can throw at us, then we're able to live differently, bravely in the face of sadness and darkness and with a hope. When I, as a Christian, remember that death is not the end for me, I live differently. When I forget and I think that death is the end, I get scared about certain things that aren't scary. When I remember that Jesus is the most epic superhero of ever. When I was going through this message, the picture in my mind was, I love Superwoman, and she came in and she destroyed. Jesus is like the most, Wonder Woman, thanks. Jesus is the most epic. He like went down to hell, and he conquered all darkness. The worst you could throw at him, he conquered. And when I remember that, I'm allowed, I'm allowed to live differently I don't have to be scared um, of the things that scare me. A friend asked me one time, um, why, why are you taking your kids on a mission trip to Mexico? It's dangerous. Like, things can happen there. And she asked me, like, why would you do that? And um, I responded that we try. We try to be wise and we try to be careful. But we believe that God will protect us. But even if he doesn't, because we live in the real world, right? Ultimately, this world's not the end. Like, I don't want anything to happen to my kids, but ultimately, 
this world's not the end. So if something happens to us, it's all right. And she said to me, she said, you know what? She goes, I have one other set of friends that believe that way. And they're medical missionaries. And they take, they take their kids to places like Africa with them. They'll go for six months at a time and serve. And this is interesting. She said, I can see how this belief would change how you live. Because she doesn't have that belief. She's not taking her kids to those places. She is not certain that there's anything else. She's like, I would not do that. But as Christians, this is just one small example. We know that this isn't the end. And so when we felt God say, take your kids, we did. What we believe about God is actually demonstrated by the way we live. We Sometimes I, for, I forget that Christians look different because I hang out with a lot of Christians. And I think we forget that we actually live pretty differently. We actually think pretty differently. I think sometimes we're even hard on ourselves. But when you hang out with non-believers, people who don't, and you spend time with them, you realize you think really differently. I thought of a, I thought of an example this morning. So when Emma was little, she was doing a car wash. No, not a car wash. Lemonade stand. So they were doing a lemonade stand, and her and the, a friend were doing it together. And Emma says, let's give half of our money to the... Um, What's the food bank? Not the food bank, the help me. community action. So she's like, let's do that. And I'm like, that's super cute. And so let's give half our money, and then we'll split the other half. And she looks at her, and she goes, our family doesn't do that. But do you see how Christians, even at a young age, you start to think it's small, but it's not small. Like, let's give half of this away. And someone who's like, and they, she could see that our family was different. Our family, we don't do that. Being a Christian, you actually live differently. I think sometimes we're hard on ourselves and we don't take the moment to see and to look, but we do. Um, I wanted to take a moment. It's kind of an odd thing in the middle of a message, but I wanted you to think, how do I live differently? Like practically, how do I live differently because I'm a Christian? And also, how do I not live differently even though I'm a Christian? I'm going to just give you a few a few moments to think about it. And maybe jot it down if you're a, like I am, a writing learner. I don't really learn unless I write. So how, how do I live differently? And how do I not live differently? Because I'm a Christian. We watched The Blind Side the other night. Sometimes movies can really get to you, huh? They're so cool. And um, it, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's the story of a family who took in a large black, black young man. And uh, at the end, Emma says, why is it that Christians are the ones that do foster care? Or no, did you say, do only Christians do foster care? I think that's another way 
that when Christ is in your life, you're different. You are looking for other people. You feel a responsibility to love the people around you. I'm sure people who aren't Christians. I'm not, don't want to like put that off. But most of the people I know who open their homes to other kids are believers. And because they believe that they have something. Christ is in them and they want to share that with other people. I watch them like, so you think Jamie? Right? You ready? And he's like, no, I didn't feel that. <laughs> so I was like, you ready to bring in the kid? He's like, no, that's not what I got from that movie. I was like, oh, all right, that's cool. So, but I'm a, I'm a sucker. Any good cause? I'm like, move to Africa. Want to move to Africa? He's like, no. The next, whatever, it might be adopt. Let's adopt. Poor Jamie. Poor, poor Jamie. <laughs> it's a good thing I have him. Who knows my life would be crazy. So, I hope you were able to think of something like how I live, how I am different because Christ is in me and because I believe that he lives in me. Because I believe that he rose from the dead, I, my life looks different. Um, so the next piece is it's kind of a separate, but it's the next fact in the creed is that Jesus, whoop, can you go back, sorry. You were in the perfect spot to begin with. One more. The next fact is one more i was just joking there uh nope shoot all right so the next line is i can do this without that is that jesus ascended into heaven so the fact and it was easy to find in scripture i was going to share with you luke 24 can you go up one more 50 through 53 or i could find it in my bible i can do that awesome okay this is the passage that i found it's actually at the end of the previous passage we read at the beginning. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. This is Jesus. Should have started there. While Jesus blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. So there's the fact that Jesus is not here anymore on this earth. He is not here. He is up in heaven. And I don't want to go into too many details because that's farther in the creed kind of a strange to preach this way um the next line if you go one more and uh, jesus sits at the right hand of the father is the next fact from the creed and jesus does sit at the right hand of the father that is where he is at right now when i think of that what that means for me is i think um i think of jesus and i think of god and i think that jesus my friend is sitting next to god the father and it reminds me of the next passage, Romans. Oh, so then the Lord spoke after he had spoken to them, was taken up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. So for me, I remember that um, that Jesus, who I sing to, is for me, what that means for me is he's sitting next to God. When it says he intercedes for us, I don't know if that means like when I pray, he tells God, like I kind of, it's weird. I mean, like you can like sometimes imagine he's like telling God, this is what Heidi's praying. Or I don't know if it means that he actually prays for me on my behalf. Just Jesus comes before God and prays for me, whatever I don't even know I need, and prays on my behalf. What I realized at the end of this is that these facts that Jesus rose from the dead, miracle. He ascended to heaven, miracle. Sits at the right hand of God. I kind of realized our core beliefs, what we believe here, is by faith. I kind of fancy myself an intelligent human being for the most part. Like, you know, I, I do. And I think people in Pullman do. But the core of what we believe is by faith. And I think that's um, humbling and a good thing to remember 
that to believe in Jesus takes faith. I wasn't there. You weren't there. And there's no other way to come to it except for um, faith. Scripture says that faith comes from hearing the account of Jesus. To believe that he rose and died again, it comes by faith. So I guess I ask you in conclusion, to do I believe this? Do I believe this by faith or not? The next one is a picture. I like this picture, and I wanted to use it in conclusion. It's, um, it's a picture of the Trinity. I don't know which one's which. God the Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus. I don't know. So some people are like, is it okay for us to use icons? Do people worship icons? Are we worshiping icons? So maybe they did, but that, that's not, that wasn't the intent. The intent of icons is at the time people couldn't read. So they couldn't read what they believed, so they made pictures. And the pictures teach theology. So there are pictures in the churches on the walls that tell the stories. And there's pictures that show, like, um, what happened in the Bible. They are to teach us, to remind us of theology. And I would like to invite you today, at the end, as we're coming to an end, as we've gone through um, Jesus rising from the dead, and what that means for us, is that there's a place you see how this picture is there's a place for you this is where you sit and you get to sit with the father and the holy spirit and jesus and sometimes when i'm praying i actually like it will come into my head and i imagine myself sitting there with the three of them and i'm sitting at the table if you're an art person you could probably like find lots of layers and lots of meaning but i'm not really very good at that and so basically for me it means i'm just sitting with jesus and the holy spirit and god we did this thing at conference where this lady put up this art picture and people were saying what they were seeing it. And I was like, really? You see that in that picture? Because I see a road. That's about all I see. And they were like going super deep. Weren't they, Janice? They were going super deep and super like whatever. And I'm like, well, I see a bumpy road if you want to go a little deeper. And they're like, and people were just going at it. So if you're that type of person, I invite you during this quiet space to see more than what I see. But what I see is pretty basic. It's the three and an invitation to come and sit at the table with them. Um, Remembering that I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I have an incomplete thought here. Okay, guys, I feel like this is the worst sermon I have ever given in my entire life. I will just be so on. No, you don't even have to tell me it's good. So, I, for real, I pray and I hope that you heard something today from God because this is so humbling. It's so humbling. I don't even know where my thoughts were. And I'll be honest, I spent just as much time this week preparing and sitting at the feet of God than I ever have before. And usually when I speak, I feel like alive and like connected and like my thoughts flowed and, and I don't, I don't feel that at all. So shoot, I had a great week. If you are ever asked to preach, say yes, because if nothing else, you are committing to spending 20 hours with Jesus that you most likely would have only spent an hour with, unless you're not like me, maybe five and you'll spend 20 instead. So I'm just saying, I'm sorry if you didn't get anything out of me, but I had a great week with Jesus. I was dread. So, no, you don't have to say that for real. <laughs> for real. So I had something I wanted to share with you guys about altars. 
and altar calls. So this is important to me. I grew up in a church where I'd never seen an altar call in my entire life. I actually didn't even know what one was. So we were really, we were Alliance. I don't know if you know what that means. It's awesome church, great church, but kind of like Baptist. So if you grew up, no altar calls, didn't even know what one was. So when I was in high school, I started going to a super, 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 super Pentecostal church. So fun. In, uh, in the Ever area. And they had altar calls. And I didn't know what it was. But I was desperate for Jesus. So what an altar was in the Old Testament was um, you would bring your sin. You would bring your, basically it's bringing yourself right to God. And you come and you bring it in the animal form. Today, what I believe an altar call is in our churches is you saying, here I am, Jesus. Um, it can be all sorts of things. I want to meet with you. When I was in high school, I was desperate for God. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me so powerfully that I didn't know what it was, but I went up every time. Like every time. Youth group, I went to this youth group. It was really great. I don't agree with everything they preached, but God met me so powerfully at those times. And sometimes I would go to their church because that was back, back in the day when you went to church Sunday night, Wednesday night. So I'd go Wednesday night, and they'd have an altar call. And I was always down front, always down front. And um, I'm not saying this because I want to create anything. I'm saying it because I want you to understand why we do it, right? You don't even have to come down today. I won't be like, oh, you know, whatever. But I want you to understand why we do it. Um, altar calls are a beginning place. So you don't come and you pray about something, and then you go home tomorrow, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, it can happen. It sometimes happens. But it's a beginning place where you meet with Jesus, and then he reminds you. A couple weeks ago here in church, I don't know if you saw me, but I was kind of wrecked by God during worship. Like, that's a good thing. Like, he was speaking to me. And now, because I went and got prayer, I remember it. Because I got up out of my seat and humbled myself to go back and ask somebody to pray with me. I remember it, and God brings it to my mind. The altar call is like that for me. When I come forward, God reminds me. Also, when you come up to altar call, it's like God... God honors it, and he speaks to you. And he says, because you got up, because you came forward, because you want to hear from me, I speak to you. And I want you to know that when you hear one word from Jesus, one word, it changes everything. When you are so depressed out of your gourd, when you can't see how anything could get better or worse or whatever, when God speaks to you, it changes everything. Your whole view of the world can look different when you come Um Another reason I think maybe people don't like to come to the altar is it can be super messy. I've been at the altar where I am sobbing uncontrollably. That's, that can be embarrassing, and it's, it can be messy. And I think some people aren't interested. I mean, who wants to cry in front of other people? Especially if you don't cry very often, we're the worst. Because it's like you haven't cried in forever and you needed to, and God gets a hold of you. It's ugly. So um, I also just want you to know that can happen. And... Um, I think, I think it's humbling to come forward in a way. I don't think it ought to be, but I think it is to say, I, I'd like to meet with Jesus or whatever. And this is an also another cool thing about the altar calls. Um, I think sometimes altar calls have absolutely nothing to do with the message. Nothing. Like the Holy Spirit needs to talk to you. And so you come forward and the Holy Spirit talks to you. And a lot of times you're like, that wasn't even about the sermon, that wasn't about the music, but it's giving God an opportunity and a space to talk to you. Um, I think maybe altar calls have always been important. 
but we're really busy. And I'll just be honest, doing the day-to-day with people. Um, so we're doing a discipleship course, and there's a day-by-day, and you meet with Jesus twice a day. And it is really hard for people. We, we are not spending as much time with Jesus as we need to. We're not spending enough time with Jesus to be really changed and to be who we want to be, to be who we need to be. I think it's going to be harder to be a Christian here in the United States. Um, I think it's getting harder. I think that when you are in high school, even today, and if you say what you believe, you are odd. Um, I hope it's okay to say this, but Emma's group of friends, they, well, for Emma, like I, you know, you, but, um, she, no, nobody thinks like her in her group. Nobody. She's the only one who holds to our Christian values. And I can't imagine how hard it is. Because actually it was hard for me to be a Christian in a Christian school. Like, hello. I mean, really? So I think it's hard to be a Christian. And I think that we're not going to be able to do it if we don't spend time with Jesus. I just really don't think we will. Um, and you might think because you're a pastor it's easier. Well, it's not really true. I'm just as busy as the rest of you or distracted or whatever. I'm, Sherry's my friend. And she's like, I know you're not any different than the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, in a nice way. You know, like, not like, that may sound bad, but she's like, you are. You need a savior. I need a savior just as much as the rest of you. And she sees that because she's my friend. <laughs> so um, so I asked Jamie to, to end today with a particular song because I love it. It's the one they said, come to the altar. And... Um, so if you're kind of like how we are in our culture, you might think, oh my gosh, she did that, so we'd come forward. No, for real. If you need to have your altar call on your seat today, just to kind of prove to yourself, I'm not coming forward because she said that, I don't care. But I'm asking in your heart, or come forward, because it can undo you, or you can hear a word from God. I asked him to sing this song because theology is spot on. And it is what the altar call is about. And from the moment I heard it, I was like, oh, I love this song. Um, I believe the words of the song are what the altar call is about. So today in closing, what I was hoping to do was introduce you to Jesus. That's what I was hoping to do. If you've never met him before, I was hoping to show you that we believe that he rose from the dead and that he's powerful and knowing him can change everything. And I was hoping if you already knew Jesus and loved Jesus, that you would be reminded that there is no fear for us. Because I forget frequently. This world can look scary to me. Um, It can look scary, and I forget. Something else I wanted to say, and I hope it's all right, I think God's doing something different here. We're smaller than we've been in a long time, and I feel God's doing something, and I don't know what it is. Um, So pray with me. See, ask God. What's God doing here? A lot of us together are doing a discipleship course. A lot of us. And the fact that there's so many people that are doing it, I feel like God's creating a unity of doing things and a way of doing things. And um, But beyond that, I don't know. But I'm hungry for God, and I'm praying for this community. It's humbling. It's humbling when you... Um, it's humbling when you feel like you're an okay pastor and your church is small. Oh, shoot. It's humbling. 
at some point when you feel like the more you start to look like Jesus, the smaller your church gets. And you say, God, what are you up to? And I pray, and I'm like, God, I think I can pastor more people than this. I've got a pretty big heart. What are you doing? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I love you. I feel like we're unusual because anybody can come here. I feel like we're really unusual. Maybe that's why we're small. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to act a certain way. You actually don't even have to believe a certain way. You don't even have to believe the creed. Because we trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Um, gosh. So, shoot. That was so vulnerable. So honest. Thank you for being church with me. Thank you for being my family. Thank you for showing up week after week and worshiping God with me. Thank you for being unique people in this world. You are. You know that. People that come to this church are unique. They're all in kind of people. They really are. You are. You teach me just as much as I teach you. I want you to know that. I, I love you a lot. Those of you who've been around and those who I haven't, I look forward to getting to know more. Um, let's worship God and make a space for you to meet with Jesus. I spend 20 hours this week. <laughs> no, I'm good. No, just kidding. I'm good. I'm good. No, but <laughs> that's enough for three weeks. Just kidding. So, all right. Please stand. And what did you say, three months? No, I'm just kidding. All right, stand, please. I love this song. I encourage you to sing it with us. No, I'm going to turn me off. With them. With I'll be down there. And um, I'm here today to pray with you if you want. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Um, I would love to. So while we sing this song, if you would, like, stand. Okay, I challenge you. If you don't normally raise your hand, try it. Just try it. If you don't ever kneel, try it. If you don't ever engage your body in any way, try it. You don't have to. I'm just encouraging you to. If you never ever come to the altar because it's terrifying, try it. See what God might say to you today. Jesus, I come before you humbly, and I ask that you would meet with each person here. Speak a word. Speak those words that change everything today. We love you, Jesus. We love you.